0: Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the Roman's Empire podcast. My name is Zach, and I'm joined by my co-host Andres today uh, to discuss Chelsea's 3-0 victory against West Ham. Um, And yeah, this is the place where we talk uh, Chelsea and we talk shit about everyone else. So West Ham's on a chopping block, Andres. How do you feel?
1: Oh man, I just wanted the three points. And it was a weird roller coaster, but we got the three points, so I'm a happy guy leading into Christmas. So let's spread let's spread some joy and cheer.
0: Yeah, um, it was kind of nervy though. I'm not even gonna lie. Um, I think that was a very it, it, I got to give them some credit. I think they made it uncomfortable for us for I'd say the better part of an hour for that match. I think the first 15-20 minutes we started off really hot, and then. Uh, it kind of tailed off there. I mean, was I just seeing things, or did it look like we were ready to get a second goal at one point before uh, before West Ham started to pick up the pace?
1: No, that that was that felt like West Ham was destroying us for a solid, like you said, 60 to even maybe 70 minutes of the game unanswered yeah. on our end. So, yeah, they did they did a good job to make us sweat and not just a little bit. I was sweating a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, well I I just have PTSD from prior West Ham matches. Um, I think of all the red cards and dropped points. Um, I don't know. For some reason, I, if for, for some reason, West Ham just feels like a bogey side. Every single time we play them, it, they just always feel like a bogey. But anyways, um, let's get right into the match. Um, so starting 11 today, uh, we had Mendy and Goal. Um, Dave, Dave, The club captain back out on the right-hand side um, as Rhys James is injured, which we're going to get into in a bit. Uh, Center back pairing unchanged, Zuma and Thiago Silva. Ben Chilwell starting on the left. Um, Jorginho starting at the base of midfield with Conte and Mount playing just ahead of him. Pulisic on the right wing, Werner on the left wing, and Tammy up top at the nine. So Andres, I know this lineup um, raised a lot of eyebrows when it came up. I mean, me personally... I was in charge of the Instagram account, and that was the first thing I noted in our little story was uh, the exclusion of the COFA crew. I mean, what was your take on that?
1: Honestly, I was just baffled because I feel like he has been the answer to the lack of Kai activity in midfield. I think that he has stepped back up since the beginning of the season to his uh, player of the season levels. So that was extremely shocking to not see him start and and not only to not see him start, but then for Conte to be displaced by Jorginho to put Jorginho at the base, just, again, accommodating for other people while, you know, potentially inhibiting some of your best players' talents. That just seems odd to me. And but course course there there just, was the just...
0: logic sorry to cut you off but there yeah. was a the logic with the whole Jorginho thing of we're going to see a lot of the ball so it would make sense to have a metronome in your midfield
1: and it and again it worked for 20 minutes and I think something switched in West Ham where he he basically was the reason why nothing I I think Jorginho being neutralized was a big reason as to why we were struggling but yeah. that's that's something we you know twenty twenty, but um, I do want to say that Werner still playing out wide just and, – and starting on the left just really ticks me off because we discussed last week it's probably best time for both Timo and Kai to have gotten a break.
0: I want to – I agree with you on the Timo thing, um, and, and we're going to get to that like way later down the line here. But I think the more important thing, Andres, is is to focus in on, on Jorginho because for me, um, obviously – it was an issue that George, that Kovacic didn't get the start in this match, and it didn't really make sense to me, especially because West Ham probably possessed the most physical midfield pivot in the Premier League in Declan Rice and and, and Sucek. I mean, they're they're natural defensive midfield players. They're basically impenetrable at times. So it seemed kind of they're odd to gigantic. me. They're gigantic. They're huge. They're absolutely. I mean look at it this way they're basically two center backs playing in midfield as far as i'm concerned so you know you have that physicality aspect georgini obviously got ran over multiple times um but the thing that kind of irks me in these kind of matches is if the other team's going to be sitting deep and we're expecting possession and we're going to be playing a high line anyways tiago silva could do the exact same thing and has a similar range of passing and could perform a similar role to what Jorginho is supposed to be doing. Um, what do you think about that? Is that it, it, because there, there's a lot of people saying that and it might come off as a bit harsh, but to be completely honest, I'm looking at these passing numbers for Tiago Silva and Andres, they're not shabby whatsoever. I mean, they're just as efficient, if not more efficient than Jorginho's and he's still attempting long passes um, and he still has a, an insane volume of passes, 71 of 77 accurate passes, seven uh, or ex- uh, four of six accurate long balls. So pretty effective, right?
1: Oh, yes. T- Tiago's class. I and mean, he showed it today. Like you said, the stats speak for themselves. But going back to what you're talking about, where we're expecting the other team to be counterattacking, I'd say that you can just let Conte sit deep. And then you that allows your fullbacks to get even further up the pitch because then you have behind the ball Conte, Zuma, and Thiago at all times.
0: Yeah. So
1: it just feels like you're adding an extra person backwards in Jorginho and you're forcing yourself to use him because, like you said, it's a metronome and you know the moment that he plays, the team is going to try to get him the ball more because it's what the tactics that most likely the coaches are asking for. But it just feels redundant, like you said, when you have – the passing ability of Thiago Silva. Conte has been much more comfortable in the sixth role recently. So, yeah, I think that if you're going to be going up against a physical side that is going to be trying to punch you out of nowhere with their physicality, the least physical and least athletic midfielder probably should not be on the pitch for something like
0: that. Yeah, Um, definitely agreed on that front. Does Jorginho start again in the leap? I think that's the golden question here.
1: Not against Arsenal.
0: <laughs>
1: Simple as that.
0: Good lord, there's a lot of injuries this season, man. I think I think that's I think that's the underlying fear with everything and I think that's why we didn't necessarily cut our losses on guys like Rudiger Jorginho, even Keppa to an extent was not only because it's harder to strike a deal but because it kind of benefits us in a way with the amount of injuries and the amount of squad rotation we're going to have to be doing these guys are going to play and I and that might actually be sort of attributed to the fact that they haven't really caused a hissy fit like I know Rudiger came out in the media this week and said you know I'm not really thinking about January I'm kind of focused on a team right now like a very mature approach when most players would probably you know throw their toys out the pram but Yeah, just
1: Um, just ask David Luiz when he did that and ended up getting sent over to Arsenal.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, But we're gonna tap that ass next week, so it doesn't matter. Um, (laughs) I had to. I gotta squeeze in any dig uh, leading into an Arsenal game. It's not Um, like this
1: podcast is gonna end with an Arsenal preview or anything. But go
0: on. Yeah, yeah, of course not. (laughs) Um, so obviously major injury going into this game was uh Reese James. We found out that he's been nursing a knee injury. Um and we didn't really know too much Andre, so initially reports came out and said he's probably going to need surgery and now we're thinking uh-oh, we might not we might be without this guy until March or April um at the very least. But news coming out today and I don't know if this is confirmed or not, but it does come from uh a pretty reputable source. Supposedly he doesn't need surgery Andres.
1: Thank um, God.
0: But but it's a it, the medical team is approaching it as a quote unquote last resort kind of thing. Now on the flip side, literally uh, Ben Chilwell goes down today. Um, Worst about the birthday fifth, gift ever. Yeah, and, and and Frank confirmed it after the game. He rolled his ankle and and you could see it in slow mo. His his ankle kind of gets. The worst thing that could happen is when your foot gets stuck in the grass and you receive yeah. contact. So that's that's kind of what happened. It looked like he rolled it over. Probably not going to be playing against Arsenal, according to Frank, but um, he did not confirm nor deny the extent. So huge, huge implications, Andres. Chelsea Eric asked, our fullbacks are so key to Lampard's attack. How does it change now that our first-choice options are out so this is kind of an interesting take, right? Because I feel like, you know, you have Aspillaqueta, who's probably as good as a as a backup right back gets in the Premier League. Um, yep. And as then, as you know, a left back backup. <laughs> even as a left back, yeah. So and then you um, and then you got Emerson on the other side, who, to be honest with Andres, isn't awful, but he isn't great. He just seems kind of meh. So
1: mediocre. I mean, we're we're spoiled because we have had a run of games where both Brees James and and Chilwell have been playing and they've been playing. I mean, I think it was who scored has them right now as as the fullback starting fullbacks for team of the season so far, statistically. So we've been very much blessed with our fullbacks. And so a mediocre Emerson coming out looks like a complete eyesore after, you know, consistent seven point five performances from Ben Chilwell.
0: Does this halt our attacking groove looking down the line? Because you're taking out two attack-first fullbacks um, who could definitely hurt a team in more ways than one, like Reese James and Chilwell. They both have goal-scoring and playmaking abilities, whereas Dave and Emerson, Dave is a, is just old school. Um, he's just a, He's just an old-school fullback. And then Emerson doesn't really give you much going forward. The, are we going to have to adapt? And how do you – I mean for me, the only real adaptation is, is making sure Kovacic stays in the lineup because <laughs> instead of that fullback bombing up and down the left-hand side, it'll be fullback. It, uh, it'll be fullback. It'll be Kovacic being the one kind of playing that missing link there.
1: So I think we can still play four in the back. Could Lampard potentially switch to a back three maybe? You if said you thought about has a, it. I mean, if Emerson has a bad game, you, you slot in Alonzo at wingback. I mean, you have yeah, to. Yeah. And then to. on the right side, Dave can do just fine as a wingback for a few games. But 4-3-3, I think, can still run it. Like you said, you bring our strong midfields of Kova, Mount, and, and Conte. But the one thing that I, I feel Lampard will have to really coach or, or drill into his head, you mentioned how can our attack look different. Emerson does these inverted runs instead of overlapping runs where he somehow ends up in the box within within the, if you drop a vertical line from the outside line of the box on each side of the goal, he's more inside than he is outside. And I think that that is completely different than what we've seen with Ben Chilwell and Reese James. So yeah, he's going to be running into spaces that are usually taken up by Mason Mount or by, unfortunately at this point, Timo Werner and, Those are just going to cause, you know, instead of feeling like an overload of attacking options, we're going to cause traffic. So I'm hoping that that's something that can be coached out of his current game because he is, you know, not most match fit IQ wise right now. So maybe a couple more games, will get that out of it and he'll stay a little bit wider than making those runs in.
0: I got a vent. Is it me or does it look like Emerson just kind of doesn't give a shit? He does,
1: I don't know about not give a shit, but I think he just gets put into the game. Maybe he'll take some instruction, but then he plays and does what he wants. And unfortunately, that's not going to roll. Yeah, Thiago Silva will grab him by the scruff of the neck and smash him to the ground before he lets that happen.
0: Well, his agent has a big mouth. We know Emerson's agent kind of goes out in the media and, and blabbers every now and then about going to Inter. Um but yeah, no, I've, for me, it just kind of seems like Lampard is just dropping the gauntlet on Alonso so hard to the point where we have to play a guy who virtually doesn't care. Um, <laughs> because he's probably going to be looking for a move anyways in January. That's pretty much where we're at at this point. And ideally, if, if we had a healthy Reese James, it would have made sense to, you know, if Ben Chilwell was injured, to just slot David at left back against Arsenal. Right. You know, and then and then you really probably don't skip a beat. You know, you might lose a little bit on the left hand side in an attacking sense, but you gain that much more defensively. So, yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, Frank did say before the game um, that, you know, he, him and Jody sat down with the coaching staff and they looked over, you know, the run of matches where we went unbeaten. And, you know, the centerpiece of that was the four three three, And that's really why he didn't deviate much from it. But the back three, Andres. I, you know, I love this. Would it be welcome?
1: I, I mean, we're in a circumstance where it might have to be. I think we all know now that the four-three-three is the long-term solution. But as tight of a race as it is right now in the Premier League,
0: we can't drop points stupidly. Call, call me crazy, okay? but i think the back 3 is the only way we can get timo playing in an inside forward position off a center forward without going 442 i mean yeah, it's it's the only system the,
1: If he's not the role striker then, then it, maybe because we had you know the difference you know we we complained so much about mason mount playing on the wing but the moment we played in a 343 and he's slotted wide of the forward he was oh, a different player like a there different player. right yeah. so yeah, I, I I can't disagree with you. That might be what we need to do.
0: Yeah. I mean I mean that's something I was thinking about when I was watching the game today, because for me, Timo gets all of his chances when he combines. When it's a quick combination and boom, he's off. Or right. it's a or it's a quick counterattack and he's running off of off of someone with a ball with the ball at their feet like a Pulisic where you know you laid him off and I think we all know what happened there. But um that might be the only way that we can get or that might be one of the ways that we could get Timo back into things because let's not forget RB Leipzig did play I I know we were supposed to get to Timo later on just but fuck it let's just get there now (laughs) RB Leipzig did play a back three last season and we always talk about Timo playing off a center forward now it was either in a two or sometimes it was even in a three where he was playing as one of those inside forward positions
1: I mean he he also played as the as the middle one, too. So, yeah. yeah, He the familiarity with the back three is there for sure. I don't know.
0: Maybe he won't I have mean, to actually, focus too much on tracking back, doing the hard yards.
1: Right. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe because the wingbacks are also further forward than the fullback, they'll be you know, receiving the ball defeat where Timo is currently receiving the ball defeat. So maybe he won't be standing there and having to create as much for himself. I think the other thing... I mean, we've been talking about this. His confidence is shot because we talk about combining and and how he could do that, but he's still not doing that either. Meanwhile, we see Polisic doing all these one twos with Tammy that we're like, whoa, where did these come from? We don't even see Tammy doing these often. But with Polisic, they felt natural today. So, honestly, you talk about this formation. I'm at a point where maybe hypnosis. Might be what we need to do and just get this stint of bad games out of his head. I mean, the guy just needs a break. We need to stop he, putting he, him in people a position. Are
0: saying he needs to get dropped. I mean, and, and I think it's it's, mer- it's, it's it's
1: fair. The guys yeah. missed the, today. He missed the chance. We all agree should have been at least a better effort. Yeah. It, the commentator said he tried to go for a nutmeg off of the Pulisic through ball. But come on.
0: The whole far post is open. I, I, far, I think I, post, I think I think he got caught post, in he, he got caught in two minds. I think he's because the near post opened up for a second, and I think he committed to it, and then tried to change his mind, and and then at that point he but just but that it comes with lack team. of confidence. Yeah, 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 hundred yeah, percent. It's it's, it's so, not being clinical.
1: Just just like Kai got benched, I think that Timo needs to get benched as well, and and it's not a long term thing. It's just the guy is obviously rattled, and yeah. you don't want to just keep smashing him with poor performance after poor performance because then there's no turning that back like we have Cho and Zek who are, and Cho are, are apparently almost ready which means mm-hmm. Polisic can go back to his left side give the guy a break just give the guy a
0: break yeah well especially with Timo you know he said he said in an interview that he was feeling you know the physicality of the premier league and he expected it coming in but he did not expect this and kai said something very similar a few weeks back as well before he got covid so it it just seems to kind of be a recurring theme with these with these players you know they're they're coming in expecting a certain level of physicality and just getting completely blindsided by the burnleys by the west hams by you know these big physical sides that that'll just beat you up physically throughout the course of the 90 minutes I don't know. I don't know what it is with this guy. I, I, I think, you know, it's clear his confidence is shot. You know, he's dropping his head. You know, uh, we spoke on it earlier in the season when he was missing chances. He'd keep his head up. His his, his body language still looked good. He was still trying. Mm-hmm. And now we're at that point where, you know, he, he he's looking up to the gods and asking them what's going on. <laughs> you know, after he's missing his chances, he's looking up to the sky and, 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 and literally he's at that point and we've all been there. He's at that point where he's like, what else do i have to do you know like i i can't buy a goal here so you know it could be a matter of him netting one or two and then kind of getting out of that slump um that might be what frank is doing baptizing him by fire but andres i i think i'm in your camp man at this point it might be a good idea to just kind of Drop him not completely from the squad, but at least from the starting lineup, and then say, look, instead of giving me 90 minutes at 75%, give me 30 minutes at 100
1: And at this point, like if we're starting a game with Giroud or Tammy, when you when you make a sub for Giroud or Tammy and you bring the other guy in, being Giroud starts, Tammy comes in, or vice versa, you're not you're not bringing a different a that big of a different dynamic. Is it that far out to think? Timo is a super sub right now, especially when most teams are going to have little rest in this, like as we approach the end of the year, 20 minutes of a fully rested Timo Werner up the middle could be what he needs for his confidence. Other people are going to be tired. He just needs to make in the runs in behind. He gets to play his natural position. And meanwhile, Tammy and Giroud are scoring. So keep them starting up the middle too it's just we shouldn't shoehorn him into the left side
0: Uh, yeah i i i think that's a given for sure you know tammy and uh, tammy and ollie have done enough to definitely stake their claim as a center forwards i don't think timo's in that conversation right now he
1: never got Um, a fair chance but yeah well yeah yeah even less now
0: But look, yeah, he never got a fair chance. But at the same time, if if Tammy scores when he plays and then when Olivier comes in, I mean, even if Olivier doesn't score, he's performing. You know, he's meeting that expectation every single time, mind you. Where does Timo really find his minutes? You know what I'm saying? But but that's my point. I think that's the issue. Yeah.
1: My point is right now we're going to be playing games in three to four day rest. Switch between Tammy and Giroud as the starters – and you bring Timo as a change of pace sub.
0: You could even or bring Timo as a change of pace sub on the wing. It, I mean, even it, that's not crazy. No, no, no. It's no. not. It, it, in the sense that, you know, in the last 15 or 20 minutes, you could just have him playing off a back shoulder and just, you know, trying to yeah, nick, and, and nick one or something. It, you know?
1: And while he missed, he missed the chances, like he also made those runs. But I feel like the players, some of our players in midfield don't even see those runs because today there was a clear one that he made. From yeah. a wide position, and the ball right never side? got to him. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think I, I think it, I, where where he was at the he was at the on the right side.
1: Yes, and and, yeah. and and that's my point. It's if if we're trying to get his confidence back, dude, put Cho in at wide if you want to get a wide sub. Let let Timo get his minutes up in the middle, even if it's twenty minutes. Like yeah. at this point, let him not have to think about things. And and just do his thing up the middle, but.
0: And I yeah. think Timo's a type of player that definitely does need space, to oh, be of course, to, to thrive. So I mean Leonard Cohen had something funny to say about Timo just while we wrap him up really quick. Um, he said, "Dear Pod, I'm sure you're gonna get a lot of questions about Timo, uh, <laughs> which is funny. Um, we actually did. Um, so this is just a statement. I just kind of feel sorry for him right now, bro. What do you, me too <laughs> Leonard me I'm too in the same boat I'm in the same boat because with Timo it's not that you know you know he's not the thing I like about him is that he's not moping yet you know he's not he's not pulling that maratas you know why me cry baby face you know at, at least his body language is changing yes but it's not I I wouldn't say that it's it's all negative yet It definitely it's still far from that, and I don't think Timo's that type of player. Regardless, I think he's a bit more self-aware than than Murata. Um, But I do want to move on. I want to talk about Thiago Silva a bit, Andres, because for me he was my man of the match on a day. Um, So in total, seven clearances, three interceptions, one seven out of eleven of his aerial Two with his nuts. Yeah, two with his nuts. Um, He obviously had a goal today, and then I mean I mentioned it mentioned it a little bit earlier. The passing. I mean, 95 total touches, 71 of 77 accurate passes. I mean, the guy is is a regista and a center back, and a leader, (laughs) and a goal scorer, all mixed into one, isn't
1: it? it? Oh, definitely. And I and I noticed too today there was a out of the players that were surrounding him, he could speak fluently and clearly to Mendy, Emerson, Zuma. Aspie, Jorginho, and Conte. I don't know how much that really played into his performance, but the fact that he could switch between Portuguese and French fluently might have been a part of it. But, you know, we, we talk about how players have to adjust the language and whatnot, and, and I'm sure he's taking his English lessons, but <laughs> when he when you surround him with something comfortable like that, I feel like it even shows more of what he can do. His leadership can even take a further role and then yeah the the numbers come with that.
0: this was the type of game and 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 I we we say this every week, Andres, right, especially when we were on our little win streak. This is a type of game where we would have dropped points last season, and oh, this is exactly the kind of game where we would have dropped points last season because yeah. you know seventy we were minutes were on our back. We were constantly looking for ways to break teams down, and we couldn't we and, and for some reason, we just could not do that via set piece. And sometimes that's what it comes down to in a game like this. You know, it, it, to me, this is the kind of game where if Thiago Silva doesn't get that first goal, it probably winds up nil-nil. Or we wind up probably losing.
1: Or they score first.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, last season, all of our cries for help in terms of set piece, uh, in terms of goals off set pieces and, you know, where are our center backs and where's our contributions from other areas of the pitch – well, well, here you fucking go. You got Kurt Zuma and Thiago Silva. Are you know? Thiago Silva has two on the season, and Zuma has what now? Five, four or five? <laughs> Something so, along those lines. I mean,
1: and, and and I don't want to take anything away from them, but since we have Arsenal coming up and we like to talk shit, um, uh, they're gonna is piece. it possibly is it possible that the set pieces are also getting better because Willian isn't taking them? Just just the thought.
0: I had to take a dig at Willian, man. Um, Always. To be fair, I think – I never thought Willian was an elite uh, set-piece taker besides the 2014-15 season where it seemed like that was the only way we could buy a goal. But that was all free kicks. It, was, it still wasn't corners. Willian's inability to beat the first man was the most frustrating thing about his game. But I, I, I think in Mason Mount um, in particular – I think we have an actual set-piece specialist for corners. I mean, the way he hits the ball, the type of whip he delivers on it, even on the crosses, um, it's scary for defenders to to defend. And and, and you, you look further down in the team, Andres, and this is the beauty of the way this team is constructed. You got Mason Mount, you got Chilwell, and you got Reese James and Hakeem Ziyech who could all take corner kicks at a very high level. I'd say maybe two of those guys could be, take corners at an elite level, and, and you could probably take your pick between Ray, uh, Reese and Mason and Ziyech. So 1A, one 1B, one and yeah. then you know, Ziyech.
1: No, it's, it, you got Ziyech and, and Mount, and it depends on what kind of bend you want. Do you want it curling mm-hmm. towards the goal? Do you want it curling away from the goal? And You have two guys that do it, so yeah, the, the delivery is fantastic. Uh, but the finish, man... The, you Tiago Silva got so much power on that header. The NBC sports had a take like a, a camera that was from facing the goal straight forward and the ball's coming in and yes, it's got pace on it, but the amount of power that Tiago added to it, the keeper, by the time that he's turning towards the ball, it's already in the net. Mm-hmm. Like that's how quick
0: mm-hmm.
1: that ball went in. If FOT mob doesn't spoil for me that the corner scores, I don't realize who the hell hit it because it was so quick.
0: Yeah. And, and 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 you know the thing with with him is that a lot of people questioned obviously the narrative was can he do it in the Premier League? Is he too old and he's never played there. He played in a farmers league most of his career and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And mind you he was a part of a very good AC Milan team early in his career that people tend to forget about. Um But I mean, this guy comes in at 35, now he's 36, and he looks every bit of the world-class center back that we've been looking for. Um, And obviously, he's not the long-term solution, but for this season, my God, if he can stay healthy, I mean, I think the title might not be in the conversation right now, but we're definitely going to be comfortable in that top four chase um, as long as he can stay fit. Um, But I do want to move on. Uh, hashtag Team Tammy is alive and well today, Andres. Um, that 100% conversion rate, though. I want to talk about that. Tammy Abraham today, two goals off his only two shots. Both of them on target, obviously. Um, had 33 total touches in the game, won five out of nine aerial duels. And to be honest, Andres, I mean, he started the game, he was kind of... Invisible in that first half, and then the second half comes along, and he does exactly what you want your strikers to do in an ugly match like this show up when it counts.
1: Yeah, and to come to Tammy's defense, I mean, that first half, our team could not get the ball out of our five, or like our like defensive third. So, I spooked. There was, I, I hate, I had like an argument with a buddy who was like, Oh, I thought you said the team was going to play better without Giroud in the starting 11. And what I was trying to say by that is that I think while Giroud is scoring and his form individually is great, he's a little static. So then he's like, well, Tammy's not doing anything. It's like, well, Tammy's not even touching the ball. Yeah. <laughs> the midfield not even getting the ball to the final third. So you can't make that sort of argument that Tammy's having a bad game when he's trying to get the ball, and the ball never made it there. Now in the second half, you're hailing Team Tammy, and he deserves it for scoring. But up until my boy Kovacic came on, The midfield was a mess. Once we got that ball starting to go to the final third, Tammy was holding people up. He was playing people through. So even outside of his two goals, which, again, both of the times he scored, he first worked as a target man to help his teammates get to a better space. He finished them, and that's all you want from a a, uh, striker. And those two goals came at the perfect time because they were coming at us for about 50 minutes at that point and you knew a goal was coming West Ham's way. And then Tammy double pumps a shotgun and scores twice in a minute and we're good to go.
0: I mean that first goal um, whether it was a shot or a pass who who nobody knows. I think it was a shot that he just scuffed. But for Tammy to have the awareness um, to get into that space and make that run for the possibility that that, that you know he might have a have a scrape at the ball just kind of shows you everything you need to know about his mindset right now. You know, he's hungry. Um, and and I think that second goal in particular just kind of showed you what kind of confidence the first goal gave him. Um, a lot of players would, and it might seem easy from the angle we were looking at it, but a lot of players would fuck that up. You know, putting it yeah. into the bottom corner with pace like that from that angle might seem easy to the naked eye, but it's not. And yeah, that I think, was a tough I, shot. And I, yeah, and, and that's what I'm getting to is the fact that, you know, the first goal wasn't necessarily a quality finish, but it was quality movement. Um, and the second goal was just pure quality, in 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 my opinion, in terms of you know, the whole buildup and the finish. So, um, and, and I am talking about Pulisic's run, back to mount, mounts whipping ball into the box, but Andres. Pulisic has cojones, doesn't he? I mean, he jumped right at Fabianski for Tammy's second.
1: Dude, this is is what we talked about the moment we signed him, right? People saying, oh, he's a skinny little boy. He's going to get wrecked by the Premier League. Dude, this guy's been getting beat up by Costa Ricans, Panamanians, Mexicans, (laughs) Guatemalans.
0: These dudes are trying to kick the
1: crap out of him, elbow him, shoulder him. And you see that today, there was he was squeezing through tight spaces, like you said. He body checked Fabianski, not intentionally, but he wasn't afraid of the contact. When most people,
0: I think are. he did it intentionally for sure. I, in that in that in that <laughs> situation, Pulisic has to attack the ball, and he knows Fabianski is going to make a move on it. If Pulisic doesn't attack the ball, Fabianski gets a clean punch, and 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 West Ham's out. But because Pulisic <laughs> attacks the ball, now Fabianski fumbles it and it falls falls to the right person at the right time.
1: Yeah, and, and, and apart from that goal, which, again, he deserves most of the credit for, there was another run he made, I believe it was still in the first half, where he got through two people, squeaked in between two, and then his own accidental touch yep. which was the only thing that and kept got, him from... Yeah. He got pissed. He got like, really he was pissed. like... And, and you love to see that. Like, he knew he had a highlight play of the week. He <laughs> had it, and just a bad touch... It was, a similar, it was a similar,
0: it. like, he split the defenders in a similar way to what Hazard did a few years back against West Ham. Yeah, yes. Yeah.
1: I believe I that was Hazard's
0: the, last goal for us against West Ham.
1: Yeah, it was in his final season for sure. It was when yeah. him and Loftus-Cheek were having that kind of crazy chemistry, but I digress. Uh, <laughs> Pulisic was fantastic again today. We saw him switch back to his stronger left side with Timo. And, again, we know this. We know that him on the left is is 10 times the player. He also had some good movements on the right, but the fact that he didn't have to stay on the right for 90 minutes, I think, really benefited him today. And just seeing him enjoy his football is great. I'm hoping he can continue that. I'm hoping that with Cho and Ziyech also coming back healthy, that means he won't have to overexert himself in this run of games, and we can keep him healthy for a longer stint than, we, than we've than we been able to this season.
0: You know, I'm going to say this is unbiased and everyone else is going to say fuck you, but um, I think he's still our most consistently dangerous attacking player week in and week out.
1: Individually create for yourself, I agree. Yeah. Um, for the team's yeah, he, benefit, I think that I saw recently he, that Ziyech is far more critical than we
0: oh yeah, yeah
1: see sometimes but, but it's individually it's as a guy size. that can as a guy that can you know x-factor the game's been against us the whole time and we need to score against the run of play a hundred percent it's Pulisic
0: yeah yeah and I think Pulisic is is, is similar to, to Hazard in the sense that um he's very adaptable to the to the to and fro of the game like you know he could play on the counter. We saw it against City, how clinical he can be on a counterattack, but then he could also play against deep-lying teams as well. Whereas, like, you know, we were talking about Timo earlier, well, maybe this guy just needs space. Well, then, now we got to change the whole way we play. You know, and, and and I think, in that respect, Pulisic is probably, at this point, individually our best attacker. So, um, it's, it is a little biased, Sandra, so I'm going to admit I mean, I'm American, and I'm allowed to say that. But at the same time, if someone actually wants to have a legitimate argument about it, he's right up there. Um, so, suck on that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, what else did you kind of make of this game, Andres? I mean, Mason Mount, obviously, influential um, throughout. Um, to be honest with you, I really thought we were going to start with a double pivot in him at the ten. But it looked like he kind of took up the creativity upon himself anyways, um, even even though he was playing as a as a pseudo eight. So uh,
1: yeah, he was at the eight for sure, and he had to. I mean Conte and, and Jorginho are not gonna do much with their feet. The yeah. addition of Kovacic could have been earlier. Um uh, again, that's hindsight twenty twenty. We still got the win. Big three points. It's just we needed the three points. A 3-0 victory is just icing on the cake. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, it's just we need to ride this wave. We need to get a result on Boxing Day and, and keep pace because United is a game back. And if they win that game, they're essentially solidly in second place. Meanwhile, Tottenham is starting their descent. So while others may be moving up and down, we just need to make sure that we're doing our part to stay up with Liverpool. And, and I don't see that. I don't see that being uh, even with our injuries, too hard to achieve.
0: We just gotta stay within touching distance. And, and, and I think, I think now as the season's starting to take shape, I think my main goal is to finish higher than United because I think that'll be just incredibly embarrassing. Um, I'm just, I'm just being sarcastic. <laughs> um, obviously, the season's not over, but like, I mean, we did drop two on the spin it looks like the rest of the league is dropping points left and right also so i mean it still is very much up for grabs um you know i i said it earlier in the podcast that i kind of brushed off the the winning the league talk but it, it's only temporary you know if we string together another winner two, i might bring it back baby <laughs> um but we do got some twitter questions so andres i mean moving into the arsenal match um ron had a question for us he wants to know um Olivier Giroud has to start against his old team, right?
1: Can you really bench Tammy after he scores two goals?
0: That's what I say too. Hashtag Team Tammy, baby. Second <laughs> and question Tammy, for Ron. And, oh,
1: wait, we also have to remember that Tammy had one of his best individual skill moves against, I believe, Mustafi.
0: Yeah. To get a winning
1: goal against Arsenal last, last was season. Was it a skill so, move
0: or was Mustafi's defending just it,
1: he did a little. He did a little... Dream shake, you know, faked turning one way, turn back the other. Yeah, you had I, to I give it give it Hakeem
0: Olajuwon, didn't you? Heck yeah. You are from Houston, aren't you?
1: I don't have much to share about with the Rockets right now, so yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, you guys have a big wall to climb. Um, anyways, Ron has a second question. Uh, he says, I say if Hakim is healthy, start him. Olivier Giroud and Pulisic. Have Timo sit. Cho and Kai can back him up. Um look man this is this is bold from Ron, aka Bone Daddy aka Bone Daddy Cool aka Bone Daddy Deluxe <laughs> aka Bone Daddy Supreme So I mean we'll, we'll, I mean we talked about Giroux. I think we both agree that Tammy is probably the one that should be starting against Arsenal especially because mm-hmm. they're not very mobile back there with of Luiz Um would you start Ziyech this soon Yes <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah, based based on, on
1: um, yeah based on the form of everyone I mean Werner needs again Werner needs to sit I don't think you stick Kai Havertz out on the wing either I mean maybe because Cho was on the bench maybe he would get the start ahead of ZiSh, but I mean Frank said that he might be back already and I may be butchering the statistic but somebody posted on Twitter something along the lines of like Chelsea with and without Ziyech and and the number that stuck out for me was when Ziyech starts we're averaging almost 3 goals a match and when Ziyech doesn't start that number goes down by half and i believe it goes 1.68 or 1.86 so Staggering, that's yeah. and, and that's just from our numbers this isn't his this is well, his Ajax days this isn't anything else this is this season well Ziyech so, is
0: well Ziyech is is a walking key pass that's basically what he is
1: (laughs) and 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 the guy and the guy knows when to interchange so we talked about how like god frank made timo and pulisic switch and you can tell when they switch sides that's a tactical move by the manager but when zesh is on the pitch it feels natural the players know when to switch sides with him when to give him the space and i think that sort of Dynamic movement is what was making us so dangerous is that even though ZS is starting on your right wing side, he's not limiting himself to that side when he sees an opportunity. And so the ability to find that pass, like you said, or maybe if he moves out of that space, somebody else can take it up and they can become the dangerous player. Yeah, that's something that he just adds. And you talked about Arsenal's lack of mobility Having a guy that can create space without even having the ball would be immense against an Arsenal team that, to their credit, is not conceding that many goals. They just don't know how to score. So, yeah, I, I'd love for Ziyech to be healthy enough to start.
0: I think it's written in the stars. Timo Werner comes off the bench, bags a brace, and Chelsea <laughs> win. Um, Kojo had a question for us. Shout out, Kojo. Uh, Great performance and win 5-4, or poor performance and win 1-0? Which one are you guys taking? So basically he's asking Pep or Mourinho.
1: (laughs) And this is totally out of context, just a style question, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, purely based on style.
1: Man, honestly, like, that Ajax Champions League game was one of the most fun things I've witnessed recently. (laughs) So I'd say I'd rather watch the 5-4.
0: What about as a fan?
1: That I, that's exactly what I just said as a fan. Yeah, I rather uh, get the fan. five four. As a coach, I rather get the one nothing. And
0: I want the one 0 no, baby. I love me a clean sheet.
1: It clean, yeah. That that just shows organization. It shows that everyone knew their role. There's nobody, nothing like. There's nobody nothing... had a moment, a lapse of a lapse of uh, focus. That's what that tells me.
0: I might be a little bit out of touch here, Andres. Um. But I have a buddy of mine and he used this term called sunning somebody where like basically like it's basically when you I don't know if it's like your elder but like you basically shit on someone like kind of like what Chelsea <laughs> did the West Ham right like where we beat them 3-0 like we kind of sunned them. I think I think that term could only apply when you get a shutout or a clean sheet. So, like, a 1-0 to me is, like, sunning the other team. Even though we – who cares if it was only one goal? You didn't fucking score on us. You know what I mean? I don't think a 5-4 would let you sun the other team. That's fair
1: because you could yeah. say that, oh, you just got lucky at the end there.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, we yeah. We
1: had yeah. you up against – yeah, I see what yeah.
0: you're saying. 5-4 you, you, is, like, it could have gone either way, but 1-0 like, you know, you could pull out the good, good old Mourinho quote and go, the best team won. Type of yeah. thing, but anyways, um, let's get in a little bit into this Arsenal preview. I mean, we talked a lot of shit about them last week. Um, we'll continue <laughs> to talk shit about them till the end of time. Fifteenth um, in the table, which is absolutely phenomenal. Um, they failed to win in each of their last seven matches in the Premier League. Andres, guess what? That's absolutely phenomenal as well. <laughs> Um, their last win was on November first in the league via a Pierre Emerick Aubameyang penalty, um, and then he endured a whole goal drought in which Arsenal failed to win any of their games and still continue to win any of their games.
1: And he did um, score an own goal in that drought as well.
0: Yes. So, um, but didn't he score last?
1: He scored so, yeah. recently. Yeah.
0: So he's basically at zero, at one goal on the season because he scored two and concede and, and <laughs> scored one own goal. So. Wow, talk about a gold drought. Um, but anyways, I mean, this is something interesting. And we didn't even realize this until we uh, hit the record button. But Andres, I mean, they play Man City tomorrow in the Carabao Cup. Um, mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> I said it kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it is kind of true. They're going to put out a strong team because that's their best chance at silverware, right?
1: Yeah, as much as their form in Europa League is good, they haven't faced anybody in the Europa League so I don't even want to consider them favorites there but yeah the the Carabao Cup is is done in I believe three more matches or or maybe four and after City I don't think they'll have much competition till the final if they can get past City so Arteta needs to get a big statement win right now and taking down City would be something to kind of silence the hashtag Arteta out people I'm not saying that they're gonna beat City but I'm saying they're gonna do their best to try that
0: hashtag Vangerin, baby <laughs> I'm so glad that Venger came back not once but twice since he's been gone Jesus it's Insane. gotten to that point yeah it, it really has so I mean I'm gonna kind of take the lead here Andres um, and I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and put Som's prediction in here as a 2-2 draw. There's going to be a lot of goals. It could go either way. Um, and then my prediction is going to be um, – I think it's going to be a very comfortable 2-0 um, to Chelsea.
1: I was going to say the same thing. I don't know if it will be a goal fest. I think that maybe it will look a little similar to today where we might get an early goal. Then they settle into the match. And then we can catch them in a counter-attack situation when they're trying their best to get a draw. And, yeah, we'll be able to find a key pass behind the center back and have somebody slotted in and for a 2-0. So that that's my prediction. I don't know about comfortable. I think it'll be a little sweaty just because it is a Derby, you know, London Derby. People like to show up to those, especially when they're mediocre, bottom-feeding, relegation sides trying to scrape into survival. So you never know.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, um, Arsenal in this game, uh, they're going to get Gabriel back because I know that he picked up a red card a few matches ago. And then um, I think Shaka's red was a straight red, so he should be missing the Chelsea match as well, if, if my math is correct. Luckily
1: um, for them, yes, I believe yes. he's not.
0: Yeah and every and every Arsenal fan um is 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 very happy about that shocker red card. But anyways, I mean that does kind of bring us to the end of today's episode and for all of you Rep Ultras since we won't be speaking to you until after uh, the holidays, we wish you a very very happy holidays to those that celebrate Christmas, merry christmas. Um and you know, Feliz we hope you Navidad. stay Feliz Navidad, Feliz Navidad, all that all the other languages um that Andres <laughs> knows how to speak. Andres just go ahead. Just riddle off like eight different languages. All eight different. Um, oh, God. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, yeah, anyways, I mean, we, we wish you guys a happy holiday. Stay safe, um, and uh, we'll see you soon. So until next time, keep the blue flag flying high.